dispensation of grace or the air of grace we don't live under law anymore we live under grace you know i know what they're saying because they didn't have the grace of god through jesus christ so we live under that and there has to be more grace and there has to be more mercy and we're not beat them up beat them up but anytime in the church a damaged doctrine it gets damaged because people take it to the extreme then you, you hear the terms messy grace loosey-goosey grace and it, because it's, it's been, it's been abused and you have to bring it back to the center. Thank you for joining us here at Westside Christian Fellowship, located in Leona Valley, California, one hour north of Los Angeles. Today on Regaining Lost Ground, we hear the second part of this faith-filled message from Pastor Shane titled, Small Hinges Open Big Doors. Revivalist preacher Charles Spurgeon once said, My faith rests not in what I am, or shall be, or feel, or know, but in what Christ is, in what He has done, and in what He is doing for me. Today, Pastor Shane encourages you to trust in the Lord with all your heart, not to rely on your own perspective in life, but rather fully placing all of your faith in the Lord Jesus today. You can hear the whole message at Pastor Shane's YouTube and Rumble channels. Make sure to subscribe today. For more information, visit us online at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We also encourage you to hear more truth from Pastor Shane with the Idleman Unplugged weekly podcast. And now, from Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California, here's Pastor Shane Eidelman. You see what's going on in the world. You see what's going on. I mean, this is, this, I mean, nothing has even remotely happened like this before. And you're still going to be mad at God? You're going to shake your little fist at him? You'll, I'll show him. No, you won't. He'll show you. They did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. So this group of people, they are worshiping things that are not... God. They're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And again, they did not repent. What did they not repent of? Their murders. You know, that's pretty bad. But here's, here's what's interesting. Or their sorceries. Now, I had a long rabbit trail, but I, I went against it. Um, that, that word is actually drugs. Spirits. Anything you know called that? Drugs. What many people are running to, running back to. That's what it is. It even comes from the word pharmacy. I think it's pharmakeia. These are all linked together. And am I saying if a person stumbles and goes back, goes back to that, are they, are they lost forever? No. There's a difference between a struggle and a lifestyle. Remember I gave you the analogy months ago about the pig and the lamb. They both find their way back to the mud that resembles sin. But the lamb cries out and hates its miserable condition and wants desperately to come out of it. That's the struggle. But the pig wallows in the mud and enjoys it and even leads others in. It's a big struggle. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle. 
And that's the difference. You can struggle versus a lifestyle. And I don't, I don't give permission to struggle. And that's why people are convicted. They don't want to come to church. There's a lot of shame and guilt. It's because they're like that lamb who is caught. And so he's putting murderers in the same camp of those who go to their drugs, go to their drink, go to their, their that, that party lifestyle, and of their sexual immorality, and of being a thief, taking things. Boy, that's quite a broad group there, John. But it's important to know that worship is a posture. Worship is a posture of submission. Either to God or the God of this world. So we see, well, they worshiped the work of their hands. They were, what, what does that mean? It's really a pot, you know, we, we hear worship, right? We think of what we just did this morning. And that's true. That's a form of worship though. Biblical worship is the outflowing of a person's lifestyle. So you can come in here and do that for the last 40 minutes. And go home and live a certain way. You didn't really worship. You went through some motions. Oh, that felt great. Thank you. Thank you, John Waymaker. No, no, no. Oh, that felt, felt great. Felt great. We even have unbelievers come in a lot. Oh, man, that, that worship, that just felt great. They don't know God. Nothing changes. So is that worship or is that false worship going through the motions? So worship is the lifestyle. What flows out of you all week? Yes, Sunday morning worship. Yes, worship tonight. Yes, get up in the morning and you read the word and you begin to worship God. Later in the day, you begin to pray. And, and that's, that's what worship is. It's not just something we do for a moment. So it's a posture of submitting our lifestyle either to God or to the God of this world. It's it's really how we spend our time, energy, resources, and money. And that reveals who or what we worship. Is that not true? Show me your checkbook and your calendar. We can figure out a lot. Do we worship Target? Costco? To feed King's stomach? Now, of course, all those things in and of themselves are not wrong. Maybe Target, right? Ridiculous, ridiculous. Having a background in marketing, I would love to talk to these marketing people. So you're the stupidest person on the planet. You're trying to, you're trying to cave into 1% of the whole population to make a statement. Really, you're concerned about a credit score with the big guys upstairs. And you're going to have a little kid wear a onesies. You know, I love transgenderism. He's a one year old. This is, this is ridiculous. How do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? And this is why most people have a hard time worshiping God, correct? This is why most people have a hard time worshiping God. Their affections are elsewhere. How can I come in and worship God if my affections are elsewhere? 
I've been feeding on things that are not of God all week. Maybe I've stumbled, maybe I've fumbled, and if I don't repent and get back on track, it, it's hard. I don't really, I, I come to church and I kind of feel stagnant and I feel dead, and, but I did the right thing, I checked it off, and, and I just can't, I, I, why are those people so emotional? Why do they want to come to church every night? I'm just not, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm not feeling it. And it's often because our affections are elsewhere, even as believers. And over the years, I've noticed, um, you know, speaking now, probably for 20 years, traveling and, and speaking. And it's interesting. There's an interesting group of, of believers out there, what I call um, conservative Bible thumpers. Boy, they love that Bible. But do they love God? And rightly so. We look to the Word as truth. But they're not worshipers. They hide behind the study of doctrine the study, I looked, and, 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 and they just totally push out worship and prayer and all these other things that are so-called too emotional. And if we're not careful, we can become a Martha, not a Mary. Oh, Martha, Martha. You're worried about too much stuff. You love reading about systematic theology, but I never see you at the altar. I never see you here worshiping and praying and, and pulling down heaven. Don't we know that the Bible points us to the one we're supposed to worship? Don't keep, I love the Bible. I read it all the time. It's our, it's our gauge for truth. It's everything. It's, it's, it's God's inspired word. But that is supposed to deepen our relationship with God, not push us further away from him. And that's why most people have a hard time worshiping. They come in and they haven't been, they haven't been consuming a lot of God, His Word and prayer and, and things. And, and because of that, they, it's kind of hard, right? Like I could go to a Taylor Swift concert and I would be out of place. I I can't. That girl's shorts are too short, that skirt, this, and that music's demonic and too much marijuana in the crowd. And like my, like I, I couldn't, why are so many people at home there screaming at home and love it, love it, love it. We'll wait out, outside for six hours because that's where their affections lie. I love what Oswald Chambers said. Why doesn't God reveal himself to you? Which is to know his will. He cannot. It is not that he will not, but he cannot because you are in the way as long as you won't abandon yourself to him in total surrender. Oh, it's hard, isn't it hard? I had an interesting conversation this week with a family member, good close family member who goes to a different church in the valley. And um because they serve in different things. And it, it was encouraging because he said, you know, um, cousin, just keep doing what you're doing because people need to hear what you're saying. And many people aren't willing to say what you're saying because it's not popular. Because he knows, he talks to people who leave this church who go to that one. 
Like they're just they're just convicted. They do not want to hear it. And that same problem, that same struggle, they just bring it here, but they're not challenged so they can sit comfortably. And it's hard to, it's good to hear that because you get discouraged a lot of times. And you realize if, 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 as long as it's coming from a heart that's not upset and angry and judgmental, but just the, if what I said is not true with God's word, let me know. Because everything I just said has tons of scriptural support. And if, if the truth be told, all of the prophets were way more hardcore. How would you like me to come here and have, call half of you stiff-necked people? God's going to judge you, you arrogant, arrogant people. How dare you come in here in the house of the living God and act as if you're worshiping Him when you go out there and live like hell? That's that's what they said. Now they need a little more grace and mercy. I understand that, but it, it, there's something. Bec- here's why: because little things make a big deal. Little things make a big deal. Is that not true? They make a big deal physically. They make a big deal spiritually, and they make a big deal emotionally. So the little things, so many of you have come to me about this issue, and it's a struggle for all of us, and of course our personal health, right? Taking care of our body and and wanting to be productive and have energy. And and that's one thing now I really regret is... is um, is I could have done better, but getting, as you get older, it gets like, whoa, this is no joke. Gosh, I'm, did I almost miss a step right there? I'm going to look like Biden pretty soon. <laughs> and, and it's like, you can feel your body's not, but it's the little things, the choices we make, these little things are eventually going to end up to a big, a big problem or a big issue. It's the little things, the little hinges open those big doors. A little thing spiritually. Oh, I wish I could just stay here the whole sermon. The little thing spiritually. Like I said, every week we're talking to people who have fallen back into sin. It's it's like like what we do. And guess what it starts with? Something big? Never. Hey, I haven't seen you for a few weeks. Oh yeah, I'm busy. I got a new job, a promotion. I'm making more money. You cannot, let me tell you how much, how often that has taken people out. The love of money is the root of all evil. And so that's a, but on the flip side, that's not a, you know, if you got to pay the bills. And so, you know, there's, there's, but if that's, Oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm making more now. I'm working more. I, I'm working the days at church and, and, I, but, but and of course they said, but I'm doing good pastor. I'm in my Bible like never before. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Give, give it a few weeks or a few months. Anytime they have to justify. No, I'm, I'm, I've never been doing good, better spiritually. Here it's coming because something is convicting them and they have to say something to excuse that conviction. Pastor Abraham, my, my lying, straight up, all the time. You can see the indicators. Hey, we've got red in the heavens every single night. Try to come for a few nights. Get at that altar, get broken. Oh, man, um, World Series. <laughs> I committed to my dad, who I haven't talked to in a while, to spend some time with him. 
Now that's good, right? I, no, no biggie. But these small things are going to get you eventually. Too busy to get up and read the Word. Too busy to do this. Now I'm making this choice instead of this choice. I'm spending too much time on the internet or things now, but, and, and so these little choices, these little things eventually add up. Correct? The little things. Do this sometime. I don't know the numbers, so don't quote me on it. But if a, a, a young adult, teenager, 18, 19, starts putting away like $200 a month. Okay, what is it? 100 a month. How much will they get when they retire? Over a million dollars. Yeah. So I could have been a millionaire by now. <laughs> Did you know that? If it was just $100. See, these little things. And I'm just concerned that, you know, I'm like many of you. I mean, it's the big things we want to avoid. And please do. But, oh, watch out for those small foxes. Oh, those small foxes, the Bible says, they spoil the vine. They have this huge grape harvest coming in. And the Bible says, watch out for those little foxes. They like to go and eat those grapes and damage the vine. The little things make a big deal physically and spiritually and emotionally. The little things we begin to dwell on eventually become big things, don't they? Taking your thoughts captive is not just a good idea. Those little thoughts. Do you know, um, and I'm, I don't want to be careful and sensitive, um, but this, you know, over the years, same thing in, in counseling people, where let's say an affair has taken place. It's the initial thought right there. They don't get up one morning, go to work, and then I'm going to drive and have an affair. <laughs> right here. I don't really like them anymore. They're really upsetting me. That person at work, I'm kind of drawn towards. It's, it's harmless, you know, so no big deal. And then more conversations. And I've actually had people tell me this. But pastor, I think that's who I should have married. Let me just wreck your world right now. If that's who you're supposed to marry, back when you were seeking God 10 years ago, that's what you would have hooked up with. The small things, right? Well, they're definitely not going to have an affair but lunch won't hurt. Hey, we'll eat outside. You know, it's a business, business meeting. You see, right? The small things are going to get you. They get me. They'll get you. These small hinges open big doors. And in Psalm 31, we read this uh, months ago when we were in that, that Psalm on Wednesday night. He says, my strength fails because of my iniquity. And my bones waste away. Did his actual bones waste away? 
I mean, if you want to get real technical, there is a, an aspect of, of the health and fitness studies that show how toxic emotions and things wear, wear down your calcium levels. And things. Okay, I'm not going to go there today. Because that's true. Toxic emotions and all these things can really, really break, wreak havoc on your body from your micro, micro gut biome to your, your serotonin levels. And it just, it releases a certain toxin thing. Isn't that interesting? When you follow God's word, it also has health benefits. But he said something, he said, when, when my strength fails me because of my sin and my bones, my literal bones, I, they're not wasting away, but it feels like everything inside of me is coming undone. It's hard to even get through life. I feel undone. I feel wrecked. Colossians says this, therefore, well, I probably should have told you why I'm transitioning here from Revelation. I want to talk about these small things real quick before we leave. Small things, because he said murder, murderers, and then those who steal things, those who are involved in sorceries. I mean, that, th- these little things that we think, and that's what, you, if you'll talk to unbelievers, you'll hear that a lot. Well, I'm not like Chris down the street, my neighbor. Or I'm not like my Uncle Bill. I'm a pretty good guy. The little things. The little things. So let's look at a few little things that maybe we need to work on. Now it'll make sense, right? Colossians 3, 5 to 7. And this, man, there's so much. there Because a lot of people, and I understand what they're saying, and this might be some of you, this will be helpful. We live in an interesting, interesting time because we live in what they call the age of grace. Correct? Thank God. I don't know about you, but thank God I don't live in the Old Testament. I do not want to be Isaiah or Jeremiah. And they, they call it the dispensation of grace or the heir of grace or, um, we don't live under law anymore. We live under grace. You know, I know what they're saying because they didn't have the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Until he came, rose again, and now you can believe and have faith. And I do believe there was a cataclysmic shift that took place. I mean, the demons were running, running the show, running the show until Jesus came. They were running it until he came and conquered that kingdom and took the, the, the authority back. And there is more grace. Uh, if there wasn't, I don't know if our church would have anybody in it. If God handled Ananias and Sapphira the same way, even though that was after Jesus ascended in the book of Acts, you know, there, so we live under that and there has to be more grace and there has to be more mercy and we're not beat them up, beat them up. But any time in the church where you'll see, um, a damaged doctrine, it gets damaged because people take it to the extreme. Camera's going to get mad at me and trying to fall. I like to trick them. See how far you guys can go, huh? See how that far that swivel goes. So we can damage that doctrine if we go too far. Then you, you hear the terms messy grace, loosey goosey grace, and it, because it's it's been it's been abused, and you have to bring it back to the center.
You've been listening to Regaining Lost Ground with Pastor Shane Eidelman. You can find more information at westsidechristianfellowship.org. That's westsidechristianfellowship.org. And for all the latest on what God is doing with His ministry here, please be sure to follow us on most social media platforms. Westside Christian Fellowship is located 60 miles north of Los Angeles in Leona Valley, California. Thank you again for listening to today's message of Regaining Lost Ground, where we are reminded daily, times change, truth does not. Regaining Lost Ground is sponsored by the generous supporters of the ministries of Westside Christian Fellowship.